This Manage Smarter episode is brought to you by SalesFuel's Coach Feed, your AI-powered assistant sales coach. Improve your salespeople with automated regular coaching in just two minutes a day with CoachFeed. For more information, visit CoachFeed.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. Come in, come in. Today, we're going to talk about the new sales economy. What the heck is it? And how should you change what you're doing to approach it? Right, Lee? Yeah, we're going to talk about the modern seller. And as a manager, then how do you manage in a modern fashion then to take full advantage of all the dizzying amount of changes that are happening in our world today. And, you know, that, that means a whole new set of needs, whole new set of wants, whole new set of problems that need to be solved. And some of them are on your own sales team. That's right. Welcome everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I am the vice president of communications here at Sales Fuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the president and CEO of Sales Fuel. And Amy Franco is here. Amy, thank you so much for coming today. It's great to see you. Good to see the two of you and thank you for having me. Amy is the founder and CEO of Amy Franco Associates. She's got more than 20 years of client-facing sales experience, including sales roles with global companies, including IBM and Lenovo, before she pivoted into entrepreneurship. And today, her firm works with mid-market technology and professional services organizations. And she wrote a book. It's called The Modern Seller. It is an Amazon bestseller. Congratulations on that. And was named top sales book by Top Sales World. And you're also recognized by LinkedIn as a top sales voice. So, uh, gosh, it's great to have you. And so, I guess, starting with the new sales economy, you have a specific definition of the components that make that up. What is it? So, before I jump into that, I think one of the really interesting things is the fact that I released this book in late 2018. And every conversation that I have with a client or conversations like we're having here, it's like, wow, you could have released this book this year because Mm -hmm. everything is still really relevant in this idea of what it takes to be a modern seller. And the fact that, you know, the the sales economy is constantly shifting and we're facing disruption. So a lot of those concepts are just as relevant today, given everything that we've been facing uh, and and into the future. Um, But in terms of, you know, the, the, the sales economy and just Every organization, every sales team needs to be looking at what are the disruptions that are happening with all of their customer sets? What are the disruptions happening inside their organizations? And I don't see disruption as a negative thing. Mm -hmm. I think there is so much opportunity in Mm -hmm. disruption once we kind of get through the change curve of how it's going to affect me, how it's going to affect uh, my organization, how it's going to affect my clients. But we have a big opportunity here to continue leveraging disruption and to use it to our advantage. And the more that we pay attention to what's happening in our client environments, the better informed we can be to be modern sellers for them. You know, change is what makes sales happen, right? So it's like having, so the first critical skill that you outline in your book, and there are five of them, if I recall, mm-hmm. uh, one of them in agility, is huge right now because it's, it's, it's how you react to change and, and how you embrace that change. Uh, so speaking of that, Amy, then you wrote the book in 2018. Uh, now having gone through you know, a year of pandemic, for example, you know, what would you have added to that chapter on agility that, that you didn't include in 2018? 
Well, first of all, I love your phrase, change makes sales happen. I think that that might be the title of a book or, or at least a <laughs> meme or a blog post somewhere. Love it. <laughs> It is so true. <laughs> I would say in terms of what, you know, what would I maybe say differently or add to that chapter on agility? I would say that um, really looking at our own personal path. Are we practicing that agility for ourselves? Are we taking a look at every day and saying, all right, what am I going to be able to do for my team if I'm a leader, for, for my clients, whether I'm a leader or I'm a professional? Really taking that agility definition to heart. And our, our mindset is probably the one thing that if we really protect that and nurture it, we build agility and we could really thrive through, through any type of disruption that's happening. And especially as sales leaders, you almost kind of have double duty there. You not only have to manage that yourself, you have to help your team manage that. And you have to be paying attention to, you know, the eight or 10 or 12 team members that you have. And another phrase that I like to say as a sales manager is that, you know, nothing changes until your mindset changes. So again, keeping on with the constant thread now of change and agility, uh, it all starts right here first. And if, if you know this is the blocker or this is the enabler, you know one or the other, and uh, it's your job as a sales manager then to identify that and unlock that, uh, so that you can you know make the change happen in your salespeople, so that they can go out and and make greater change happen than for uh, your clientele. Yeah, one of the things that um, that I talk about in the book, and I, I will also work with clients on, are, are, are pattern busting. Mm. Looking at the patterns that we have, there, there's a fine line between a pattern and a rut. And what are the patterns that are serving us? What are the patterns that maybe have become ruts that don't really serve us anymore? And as a sales leader, we have to look at those in ourselves. Um, we tend to be very focused on our teams, but are we getting the coaching or the guidance or having the awareness of our own patterns, how that might be impacting our teams and then helping our teams work through that too? I have a question about disruption. Obviously the pandemic being the biggest one, but are, what other disruptive trends are you seeing right now that we could call attention to? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So, so there are a couple that I've just been doing some fresh, fresh research on myself. I would say there, there are two. Uh, one is there, it's related to the pandemic, but I think it also is an independent trend. It, it's the trend of remote work that has been accelerated by the pandemic. But the, the trend that we really have to pay attention to as a result of that is uh, talent, the trend around talent. Uh, I was just reading that uh, it was a re research study that was done by Gartner back in 2019, where they surveyed 3,500 managers and of those 3,500, only 29% thought that their team had the skills that they needed today, oh, wow. let alone into the future. And especially in professions like finance, IT, sales, they were also saying that there could be anywhere from 10 to 18 new different skills that are needed into the future. This, this research I was looking through did not... The summary didn't detail what those 10 to 18 new skills are, but I plan to dig into that because that makes me really curious as to what, what all of those skills are going to be. So that, so that is certainly one. Another one is really organizations 
that are shifting their go-to-market models, maybe they're shifting from products to services. I work a lot in professional services and they're needing to really become more uh, advisory focused. Those are different selling skill sets. So taking a look in your organization to say, what types of new product, solution, services, mixes are we adding to the picture? And is that impacting the way that we sell? So th those are probably two of the big ones that I've come across recently. You talk, I've heard you talk about non-renewable resources. Uh, so what non-renewable resources do, do sales managers have to be the most mindful of? I, I, I imagine that time has to be one of them. Uh, speak a little bit about that and what, maybe some of the others. Sure, sure. So in the book, I talk about these non-renewable resources and they are time, energy, motivation, and discipline. And as you go through a day, a week, a quarter, those are resources that get depleted and we have to find ways to maintain them. We have to find ways to rebuild them. Time is certainly one. When we look at any given day or week, are we really investing our time as a leader or coaching our teams to be investing their time in the most important activities? And, and having been a seller myself, I, I sometimes say that a little tongue in cheek because I completely understand that you have a mountain of administrative things that are on your plate too. You've got to maintain the CRM. You've got to do the forecasting. You've got to add your notes into your deals and, and be looking constantly at your pipeline. So I, I don't say that, like I, I've been there. So I completely understand that. But you really do have to pay attention to your time. And I would also say your energy, your energy. You know, if, if I'm doing, having this conversation with you and I have really low energy, that's going to, going to come across. Like mm -hmm. even just right now, I'm standing in my office. I have my entire office set up my energy when I'm standing is completely different than when I'm seated. And that's just one small example, but taking a look as a sales leader or coaching your teams, what is their energy level? And are they, are they facing burnout? Are there uh, things that they can be doing differently to pump up their energy levels? Because our customers and prospects pick up on all of that, even if and they never verbalize it. The energy is not just a physical energy. It's also a psychic energy, right? Yes, yes. It's, it's mental, it's physical, it's emotional. Because let's face it, it takes a lot of mental and emotional fortitude to be in sales, mm -hmm. to be successful in sales, whether you are a professional that's assigned a specific territory or you're leading a large team. We had a guest on this show that talked about yeah, the messages that you send when you're talking. And so you can tell that I can tell you have energy and I'm talking to you and you can t tell that I have energy, but you might be saying one thing, but projecting that you have zero energy to a prospect because it's how you're saying it, not what you're saying. So if you're kind of saying it like this, you know, it's, it becomes quite obvious with, with this groundhog day kind of thing that we're in protracted until we get out the other side of the pandemic tunnel. I saw a meme the other day on Facebook that said, I really would prefer not to live any longer, be living through history. I would just like to read about it in a book, which is kind of <laughs> how I'm feeling. What are some of the other ways that you're coaching up your team members to kind of get rid of this, the rut, the groundhoggy and the mental fatigue of just being, I don't even know what day it is. And it, I'm in this office every day and I don't go anywhere and I don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, as a, um, so when I'm working with, with my clients and customers, and I, I work a lot with sales leaders, and then I will work with their teams. So, so it tends to be a mix of the two. 
what I'm working with them on, um, back to some of our earlier conversations around just managing time and managing energy, first is just conversations and strategies around taking a look at your activities that you are doing on a daily basis. Are these activities that are either moving your business forward in some way, whether you're an individual or a leader, or are these activities that are moving you forward personally in some way? And just one one example on the personal front, which plays into time and energy management, what are the activities that really fuel you? Are, is it working out? Is it picking up a great book? Is it, uh, you know, we, we, have to, we have to be agile with the way that we interact with people, but are you, have, are you staying in touch with the people that are most important to you in your life? This takes a lot of conscious effort right now and a decision, I would say, to, to really say, I know all this stuff is going on around me. I can't control most of it, but what are the things I can control? And I find that focusing in on what I can control and really picking some meaningful activities that helps me to keep my energy up. And I find that when I have those same conversations with my clients, it, it, it they're, they're the ones that are successful are doing similar things. Got it. You, you say that the modern seller is also social. So social selling, huge, huge part of things. And certainly with the pandemic, even more so, uh, you know, how has that changed over the past couple of years, you know, with the, you know, with now everybody taking advantage of social networks, then the pandemic and, you know, and also then how the social networks themselves have changed, you know, that, you know, that, you know, now we're starting to see political messaging on, on LinkedIn and we're starting to see, you know, Twitter really not being quite so good for B2B as, as it once was and maybe better for B2C. Uh, how has that changed and how are you coaching your clients on social selling these days? Yeah, so so my my take on a modern seller is social. I see social selling as one element of the modern seller being social. My my take on it is the modern seller as social is really being focused on building strategic relationships. And strategic relationships in the service of goals that you're looking to accomplish or goals that maybe your clients people in your network are looking to accomplish. And the social selling piece of it is just one, one element of that. But on that topic, um, so much more is being, so much more relationship building is being conducted via LinkedIn. I'm doing mm -hmm. all of my relationship building and uh, sales process completely virtually right now. Um, but uh, my one, my one word of caution with the social selling is I see a lot of bad social selling <laughs> <For sure>. out <laughs> there. I think we it, probably, we, between the three of us, I bet you we have dozens of stories that, that we could tell about that, but there's a lot of bad social selling out there. Like anything, it has to be intentional, intentional outreach and looking at it is one additional way in which to build relationships. Uh, one thing I'm doing very tactically right now is leveraging more video. And video, video in the sense of I might be sharing a lot more in social networks, but also one-to-one -one video. I do, um, I use a platform called Hippo and there are a bunch out there, Vidyard, a, a number of others. Um, but I will, I do a lot of video that way. And I use it in my prospecting processes, my relationship building processes. Okay, I love it's it. the next best thing, I guess, to being in person face-to-face. I, I've really seen a nice little lift from doing that. And um, it, it's, I, I added into my routine of reaching out to people or I'll use it as a way to follow up. But there, there's, a there's a 
there's a, there's a personal connection there. It helps me to be more personable than I think I can come across maybe on the phone mm-hmm. or via email. And it's, it's been a, ni- a nice uh, addition to what I'm already doing. I love it. What are some of the other ways that you um, coach folks up right now with this remote? That's a great tip, by the way, the hippo. Um, how can I differentiate myself with my customers and my prospects when I'm not going to, vi- on, to visit in person beyond just the video? What other? Yeah, I think one, one, one thing that just, that just popped into my mind as you were asking that question, and it ties back to just some of the other concepts we've been talking about. I will sometimes see leaders, sales leaders, not necessarily willing or open to trying some of these ideas. And I, and I think as a sales leader, you have to push yourself just as much to try some of these new ideas so that you can learn from them and coach your team. It's hard to coach somebody when you haven't at least had some of that experience. So if I'm a sales leader and I'm not willing to do anything on video, but I expect you to do it as my team, that's a little tough. Um, so I would say that that's one thing as a sales leader, are you challenging yourself to, to try some of these things? But um, in terms of maybe some other things that I am working on with my, my customers, we're having a lot of metrics conversations right now and a lot of performance conversations right now. I have a number of clients that are really taking a good hard look at their sales teams and do they have the right people in the right roles? Are people um, performing as they should? And what do we need to do about that? Because um, going into the future, you can't have 30%. If you have a team of 10, you can't have three or four of them underperforming, not for, not for a long period of time. And especially if it's not pandemic related. So I would say I'm having those conversations, performance and metrics, and are we working to the right metrics for their organization? You know, it's, it's common among salespeople. Once they find you know a process that works, they stick with it and they won't deviate from it. It's like, that, 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 I, this is how I sell. This is how I do it. And, that, and then when that salesperson becomes a sales manager, they take that with them. So they find what works there and they don't deviate from it. I think that what I'm coaching sales managers on is that if you're asking your sales reps to change, you need to be able to change right along with them. And if you're not willing to change, you can't expect them to do, to adopt you know, your message of change either. That's right. Pattern or rut. Pattern mm-hmm. or rut. <laughs> Fine line. It's easy to get stuck in a rut. I mean, I, God knows I've had that happen, but I, I guess what, what is the the, the exact fine line. What's the nuance? Uh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I have a silver bullet on that one, but really? uh, okay. you know, I would say maybe sometimes we need, and I'm the same way. Sometimes we need someone else to point it out to us. Mm-hmm. We have our you own, can't see your own blind spots. So yeah, I think yeah, right dude. That. you know, I, I have my own coaches. I have my own uh, kitchen cabinet, if you will, my, my informal advisory board, you know, sometimes I need those things pointed out to me. We, we all do. Um, but I would say maybe generally speaking, where I've noticed myself in ruts, it's an energy thing. Mm-hmm. If I am not looking forward to what I'm going to be working on, and it's something that's a consistent thing, then that's a signal to me that I might need to, might need to rethink it. I went through that probably, I don't know, six, seven years ago. I retooled my business because I just wasn't excited about what it was that I was doing. And I recognized that with the help of a couple of coaches 
And then I had to make, make some changes and you know how it is when we decide that we want something to change, we want it to be happen the next day. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it's, a, it's sometimes with the big changes, you know, you're talking a couple years process. Easily. Um, yeah. yeah and, so, the uncomfortable part is like when you start off and you suck at it, that, that, that's the worst part. Isn't that the truth? And then, then you start second guessing yourself like, Oh, was this the right change to make? Um, but then you got, you know, recognizing that and, the decision that says, all right, I'm going to keep forward on this path. I'm going to see what unfolds. And, and for me, what was unfold, what unfolded on the other side has been awesome. And that's where, what's gotten me here today. So, so I would say energy shift. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing for an extended period of time, that might be a signal to, to take a deeper look. I think the other thing is, is that uh, you, you make me think of professional athletes, you know, golfers, baseball pitchers, whatever, uh, they can go out and they can coach people on how to play golf, how to shoot a basketball, whatnot. They all have coaches yes. because they can't see their own blind spot. So I would say to you as a sales manager, it's like, who's your coach? Who's your mentor? Because I see so many times that not only the sales managers not getting the training to be excellent sales managers, but they're also then not getting coaching, but they're expected then to be the coach then for their salespeople. But who's coaching the coach? Very true. And if, um, and I will encourage people, not every organization makes those investments as they should. I, I believe that the organizations need to make their an investment in, you know, my opinion's a little biased, right? But you need to be making an investment in your sales leaders. They have one of the toughest jobs in the world. When, when I was at IBM, I, and I still believe this, the first line sales manager, I believe had the toughest job in mm -hmm. the company by far. It rolls downhill um, and uphill right on. Isn't the, that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> isn't that the truth? But I will encourage people if, um, if the company's not making an investment, you might have to think about what that means. And you may also need to be willing to make some investments yourself. And also, I think many times is that if the company sees that you're willing to make an investment in yourself, they're going to be more willing than to make an investment in you. Yep. I agree. These are all terrific tips. This has been the fastest 20 minutes in podcast history. I think <laughs> great, great tips, Amy. It's Amy at Amy Franco is your Twitter, amyfranco.com. Everybody, it's F-R-A-N-K-O. And then, uh, you know, obviously get the book, everybody. Go to Amazon and and uh, get a copy of it. And Amy, I mean, obviously you're love to send some clients your way. So people who want to reach out to you, you just want them to go to the website or? Probably the yeah, I would say the two the two best places, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. When you right. do, mention that you heard me on, on the Manage Smarter podcast, so I know how we connected. So that's a great way to reach out. You can also reach out to me through the website, and there's a lot of good free sales resources out there too. Fantastic. And Audrey, one of the things that we didn't mention at the top of the show is that uh, I'm in Westerville, which is on the northeast side of Columbus. Amy, I believe you're in Grove City, which is on the southwest side of Columbus. <laughs> I, yes, I'm in, I'm in Delaware on the very north end. Of, oh, you're of up in Columbus. Delaware now. Okay, yeah. so you're very close to me. All right. But yes, we, we're, we're in the practically, we're in the same area code and practically the same zip code. You guys code. need we, to go get coffee. <laughs> yeah, when, when, when that's allowed, we'll go do that. <laughs> I, I would love that. We'll make yeah. it happen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.